Hi everyone, well welcome back to this week's podcast wrapping up some of the big stories in travel and cruising. We've got all the latest on travel insurance, a big push for the domestic sector and of course that horrific anti-cruise documentary on Channel 7 last weekend. From Travel Daily, I'm Bruce Piper. And I'm Anna Piper. And this is News on the Fly. So Bruce, earlier this week, Travel Daily, in partnership with the Travel Industry Hub, hosted a highly anticipated conversation with Covermore Travel Insurance CEO, Judith Crompton, laying out how the company has dealt with COVID-19 so far and discussing some of the big plans for the future. What were some of the main points from this interview? Look, I think this was a pretty gutsy move by Judith. Um, with Covermore, like everyone in the, in the industry, having been absolutely slammed by COVID-19, Of course, as you'd expect, travel insurance has been right in the spotlight, uh, both from the point of view of managing an avalanche of claims as borders closed back in March and flights and cruises, etc. got cancelled, but also what's happening to the literally thousands of current policies and what's happening with them. Yes, and I believe they've had to deal with more than a quarter of a million policies, which is a huge, huge number. What have they done about them? Yes, look, it is absolutely massive. And as we all know, the systems for travel and tourism, and in this case insurance, just weren't designed to be suddenly thrown into reverse. So in the early days of the pandemic, of course, Covermore, like other insurers, had to decide what to do about it. And unlike some others, they have kept selling policies, interestingly, albeit without COVID-19 coverage, right through the ensuing seven months. Because as Judith pointed out, although travel's been smashed, there are still a limited number of people being allowed out of Australia, essential workers, people who get uh, permits for compassionate reasons, etc. But the big issue was, what about all those policies currently in place when uh, the borders slammed shut? And I think it was in uh, June or July that they decided they would offer full refunds in the view that, uh, that the end customer comes first. Um, She said it was a very difficult decision because, of course, that meant all those juicy travel agent commissions would also have to be recalled. And there were definitely plenty of people on the Zoom session who were very upset about the decision. But I think Covermore was really stuck between a rock and a hard place. And you also have to remember that those commissions for travel agents are extremely generous. So there's quite a lot of money at stake. I know uh, many suppliers have protected commissions, but none of them are paying the amounts that travel agents are getting proportionally for travel insurance. I think in some cases it can be you know, 50% or more, or even more, including overrides. So it is a massive ask. But Judith did acknowledge the pain the industry is going through. And look, I guess like all of us, she's having to make tough decisions. She even shared her personal email address during the webinar and invited people to reach out to her directly with any major issues. So good on her. Mm. And with people unable to currently get any insurance that protects against COVID-19 and uh, COVID-19 contingencies, what's their plan going forward? Well, look, obviously they've had a very busy six months just dealing with all of that fallout, but they've also been working to develop new products for the post-COVID-19 world. And Judith revealed that the first iteration is going to roll out pretty much as a trial in the New Zealand domestic market later this month. Definitely a bit of a test, and she wasn't able to reveal exact details because I presume she doesn't want to give our competitors a head up, heads up. But there's definitely going to be a bunch of COVID appropriate coverage, you know, for various conditions associated with COVID. And then if that goes okay, they're going to roll it out in Australia in early December. And that would also potentially include trans Tasman travel if there's actually a bubble going. It's all baby steps, but then also as other possible markets open up for travel, as the government's sort of flagged perhaps the Pacific or Japan, Singapore, South Korea, etc., then the policies would be adapted for those particular markets. 
Of course, it's going to cost more. There's more risk involved. But I also believe there is a significant cohort in the population, and particularly travel agent clients, who will travel if they can get insurance. And she also noticed that, noted that having policies available was all about stimulating the market. So let's hope that really gets, helps to get things going. And on the domestic front, we've seen Tourism Australia launch a big campaign this week with everyone's favourite comedic celebrity couple, Hamish and Zoe. What were your thoughts on that? Well, look, everyone loves Hamish and Zoe, and so I think it's an excellent choice. And I think the campaign will really resonate right across multiple demographics. Uh, it's the latest iteration of the Holiday Here This Year campaign. And of course, you know, what other choice do we have? But interestingly, Tourism Australia MD Philippa Harrison told me the big aim of it is to get Aussies to holiday like they do overseas, or conversely, like international tourists do while they're here. You know, it's basically about boosting yield. But, you know, don't just lie on a beach, but get out and experience the wide range of activities, restaurants, culinary experiences and adventures that are on offer. Look, Australia's on the bucket list for many people around the world, and we live right here. So I think that is a great message. Let's experience it while we can. However, what wasn't so great was the rhetoric from Federal Tourism Minister Simon Birmingham in the official press release, which was very enthusiastic about Australia's great tourism product and urged people to get involved, but admitted any mention of local travel agents as a booking channel. I got the release and when I was reading it, I just thought it would have been so easy to just slip something in like, book or contact your local travel agent. But again, it was a missed opportunity, and I really thought he might have been aware of it, given the close engagement that various sectors of the industry claim to have been having with the government in recent months. Anyway, it wasn't all bad, because then we did see that Flight Centre has partnered with Tourism Australia as part of the campaign to promote domestic tourism. So at least some parts of the bureaucracy appear to have an idea that uh, travel agents have a role in domestic. And as we all know, there is massive pent-up demand. And given the right encouragement, which can be through travel agents, whose clients are, after all, some of the biggest travellers around, they'll spend their money locally. Anyway, you know, look on the bright side. It is some positive green shoots for the industry. And we're also seeing some regional tourism organisations, I think it was Tourism with Sundays this week, cotton on to the massive potential of the trade distribution channel. And I expect that other bodies around the country will similarly start to target the trade for at least part of their distribution strategy. So that's something to look forward to in the coming months. What's the future of touring in a post-COVID world? How is one of the world's major suppliers of holidays dealing with these unprecedented times? The Australian travel industry will have the opportunity to gain some unique insight next week when Travel Daily publisher Bruce Piper interviews Brett Tolman, the global CEO of the Travel Corporation. Tolman, whose family owns more than 45 travel brands such as Kentucky, Trafalgar, Uniworld and Insight Vacations, will be appearing live from Los Angeles in a Zoom webinar which is free and open to anyone in the industry. Registrations are essential for the session at 11am Sydney time on Wednesday the 21st of October. Register now at thetravelindustryhub.com. That's thetravelindustryhub.com. And last Sunday, the travel industry could hardly bear to watch a two-hour-long documentary broadcast nationally on The Seven Network. Despite promises to everyone involved that it would be a balanced program, Cruising the Perfect Storm raked over every negative cruising incident for the last century, really, from the sinking of the Titanic to the Ruby Princess this year in Sydney. Why did you agree to participate in this, Bruce? Good question. 
Uh, but look, as you said, they did promise it was going to be balanced. And in hindsight, I'm just glad I didn't say anything that they could use against the industry. In fact, the documentary really didn't seem to have an overall narrative other than to give an overview of everything bad that's happened. I know that the producers still maintain that they put both sides of the story. And look, there were some bits about avid cruisers eagerly anticipating a restart. But overall, yes, massively negative, and it definitely reflects the mainstream view of cruising, you know, that's still out there. The three or so brief bits where I appeared were, believe it or not, the outcome of about three hours of filming. And I spoke to one of the others who also appeared, a cruise blogger called Hanita Berum, who only also had a brief appearance. She told me they filmed her for five hours. It was also a pretty expensive production. They had footage taken in Turkey where some of the um, big ships are currently being dismantled. So that was, you know, a bit of sensational footage. They also had various ambulance chasing lawyers from the USA and Australia putting their two cents worth in, you know, to try to get their class actions up. I know that the uh, film crew travelled to Eden on the New South Wales south coast where they highlighted the great initiative to build a cruise pier. But then they immediately cut to this looming, foreboding, be careful what you wish for piece about over-tourism featuring some activists in Alaska. So what do you think the overall impact of the program is going to be? Look, You know, I think everyone hated watching it, but I think the impact's actually going to be very little. Of course, it will have reinforced the already held prejudices of anyone who's anti-cruise, but anyone who's actually a cruise fan will know it was a load of rubbish, pretty one-sided. And interestingly, although it was very heavily promoted, it was up against the first episode of Junior MasterChef, which rated pretty well. And so the cruising documentary only attracted about 650,000 viewers across the country, which apparently isn't great for a Sunday night primetime spot. And funnily enough, Channel 7 asked me to go on the morning show with Larry and Kylie last Friday to promote the program. And although they were a bit on the offensive, I think I managed to get a pretty positive message across. And that segment of viewership is so far more than 5 million, so much more than the documentary itself. Something else that came out of it was that people in the, in the industry noticed that the program had been produced with the support of a New South Wales government agency called Screen New South Wales. And that has in turn got Clea fired up about the government backing something that's clearly doing damage to a key employer for the state. They've lodged a formal complaint and urged others to do so too. So I think it's really great to see them getting stuck in. And on that front, Cruise Lines International Association Australasia also this week launched a major campaign to try and push things to get going. How's that going? Well, look, it remains to be seen what sort of traction it's going to get, but this is huge and comes none too soon. I think Cruise Lines and Clear have uh, been very cautious about any public statements, you know, going on a current affair, etc. And that's been understandable given the hatchet jobs that have been out there and also just the massive negative sentiment in mainstream media. So the fact that this has now come out definitely reflects that the time is right now to make a push. We've really got to get stuff moving. And as Claire has pointed out, there's absolutely no reason that, the, that domestic cruising, at least, can't operate right now. Every little bit helps. And it's also giving the industry some collateral to amplify the message. And I really hope this gets widely picked up. They've got activity planned over the next few weeks. There's a series of videos highlighting the, pretty much the economic impact of the cruise ban right across every part of the, the, the state and national economy. First episode features Dan Russell from Queensland uh, travel agency Clean Cruising. Hi, Dan. But with future instalments uh, about a couple of tour operators in Western Australia's Kimberley region and also in Christchurch, New Zealand, and there's one about a New South Wales beverage supplier who, who most of their business is um, putting um, alcohol onto cruise ships. Just to highlight the impact that right across the supply chain, 
Um, there's also supporting stuff like Facebook tiles, etc., to help the industry amplify, make the most of it among their own communities and their local politicians. It's also coinciding with a cruise restart by Coral Expeditions in Queensland this week, the first local operator to get things going. And of course, everyone's just hoping against hope that things go really well for Coral. You know, of course, with border closures, they can only take customers from limited states at this stage, but any sort of restart also does send a message to those in authority. Today, I think we're going to see Kiwis able to travel to New South Wales and the NT. I know that many of the officials involved read Cruise Weekly and Travel Daily and listen to this podcast. So please, please, please have some courage. Give us a timeline for the opening up of cruising, lifting the flight caps and allowing us to at least have some ability to make an income. And then I promise the industry will stop asking for handouts. Thanks, Bruce. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks for listening. Keep up to date with your daily newsletters from Travel Daily and from Cruise Weekly. And please subscribe to this podcast and give us a rating. We really do appreciate your support. We'll be back next week with more news on the fly.